if you do any prospecting with LinkedIn, you have got to go get set up with Surf. That's S-U-R-F-E. It's a tool you can use to add new contacts to your CRM system directly from LinkedIn in seconds. I'm using it every single day. I add contacts, follow my deals, keep track of notes, and it ends up saving me a bunch of time on prospecting and outreach, which means I can spend more time moving my deals along. The data is always 100% accurate since I don't have to copy and paste all the fields over from each and every contact that I want to put in my CRM. Instead, Surf does that all automatically with just one click in about 60 seconds. The team over at Surf has put together a very special offer for fans of sales players. There's a link down in the show notes and you can use the promo code JWSURF5. Don't forget the E at the end of Surf. That's JWSURF5 for 5% off your first year. Don't spend another minute doing things manually. Go get set up with Surf. Hey, SaaS sales players. I'm very excited to introduce my guest today, Gabe Lulo. Gabe is the CEO of Alleyoop, which is a global leader in sales development as a service. They're an agency that's partnering with some of tech's fastest growing companies, such as ZoomInfo, Adobe, Sendoso, and LeadMD, and they're all about the top of funnel. So Gabe and I focused the conversation around some ways that sellers in 2023 can fill their funnel, generate more pipeline, and ultimately sell more deals. We talk about how he started his business, some of the things that he does to troubleshoot a prospecting campaign for his clients, and he also shares some really great career advice for all sellers and leaders out there. So with that said, welcome Gabe. All right, Gabe, we are live. First question I actually have for you is, looks like you're a guitar player. What kind of guitar is that in the background there? Uh, yeah, so this is uh, an Indiana. It's not, it's just a fun thing that I fiddle around with. I'm not very good. Uh, I try to be, but I'm not very good. So it's a, it's, it's a way to pass the time. And I think it looks kind of cool in my background. I was gonna say, you've got a really nice vibe going over there. Is that a home office or are you in uh, like a workspace or a, a corporate office? This is my home. Yeah, this is my home office. Um, so uh, yeah, I decided to uh, paint the whole thing black. My yeah. wife thought I was nuts for a moment, but then she's like, this is so cool. So yeah, we uh, we work, both work from home. So uh, we're, we're, uh, we both don't work at the same company, but we both work from home. My daughter is actually home sick today she woke up with a sore throat so uh we're all we're all hunkered down all here yeah that's that's the world we live in now yeah well awesome so first and foremost thanks so much for coming on excited to hear you know some of your thoughts about the work that you're doing with alley-oop and uh, the team and those kind of things one place i think it would be really helpful to start though and my listeners always like to hear a little bit of the backstory how did you get into this line of work how did you come up and then maybe even take us into how you came up with the idea for Alleyoop and anything that was like a predecessor to it. Uh, but maybe take us back as far as you care to go. Uh, I don't know if you have to go back to like your uh, high school days or anything like that, but career wise, how did you land in, in tech sales and uh, what brought you to where you are now? Well, I think I've always been selling since I was age 11. Uh, I won like a fundraising contest where I, I had to sell t-shirts to like save my aquarium or something. <laughs> and I convinced my uncle to buy like 11 of the same, like really bad quality t-shirts. So I've always been selling, um, went to school in Connecticut. And when I graduated, 
Um, I was working in New York, uh, actually on, on, on Wall Street as an internship at a financial firm. And I was an SDR, but I felt like almost like Wolf of Wall Street, right? Like where I was making calls on a, on a you know, rotary dial phone and, and, you know, calling down the phone book. And so I was, I was doing that and really cut my teeth in sales. Um, and then I decided to actually start a company with uh, a good friend of mine and his dad. And we built a uh, recruiting firm and we, we recruited people. And then we specialized as we did it for a few years in, in sales people. So we actually recruited and then we turned into a training function too. So I was on the road uh, every single week in different companies across the country, going in there, teaching existing sales team how to sell better, specialized like insurance, real estate, other types of financial firms. And um, I was always on the road. As you said, as you heard, I have a daughter and uh, she was, um, you know, uh, coming, coming out and ready to go. And I was like, okay, I want to settle down here. So I met a gentleman who was running a company called Inside Sales Team and as the founder of this company. And he was, you know, doing inside sales when it really started off uh, just as a full cycle sales team. And then the SDR role really was born right around that time in the tech and SaaS space. You know, SDRs weren't a thing before. It was a brand new position where, you know, they were dividing out the prospecting into two people versus, you know, one person doing all the prospecting and the selling and closing SDRs started to come out. So that's when we started um, and we created Alleyoop, which if you're a basketball fan, even if you're not, the word means, you know, the ultimate assist essentially. So we took that SDR, uh, you know, concept and created that analogy. And now Alleyoop is, you know, the leader uh, or one of the top three companies in the space you know, booking meetings for existing sales team. We have about 150 full-time sales reps, um, fully branded to our clients and uh, booking meetings and, and selling on behalf of our clients offering. Yeah. I love the name. I think it's, it, it checks a lot of boxes. One. Yeah. Even if you're not a basketball fan, you know what an alley-oop is. It's like, yeah, exactly. It's fun to say. And then it starts with a, I read in a book years ago. I think it was one by, uh, ah, shoot. Um, it was one about entrepreneurship. It was like the art of the start. Uh, Guy Kawasaki, I think, uh, man, I can't believe I just retrieved that. And he said <laughs> something about how if you ever start a company, you should try to name it like an A, B, or C name. Because if you're ever at an event or yeah. you're listed as like a sponsor somewhere or something like that. You're the first one. Yeah, yeah. Alphabetically speaking, you're going to be up there pretty high versus someone who has a Z uh, in their name or W or something like that. You're going to be at the end of the list. So yeah, right. it's very catchy, very memorable. And uh, it sounds like uh, a very exciting business. And I, I imagine right now it's in pretty high demand because something I've observed over the last 18 months in the tech space is there's been a lot of contracting of full-time in-house roles. And there's been some movement of those roles out to third-party providers who can you know assist in the same way so that a company who's maybe launching their startup doesn't have to go out and hire 10 SDRs full-time and have all of that overhead early on they can partner with Alleyoop and, you know, still generate that pipeline that it's going to take them to the next level so they can raise capital and, and move forward with the business. But yeah, talk to us about maybe how things have been over the last 12 to 18 months for, for your team. Has there been a good amount of growth or what's the, yeah, what's the story there? Yeah, that that's great. And it's, it's funny because, you know, you would think if you're specializing in SaaS and tech that you would be contracting right now, like so many other companies are. Right. But in the agency side, as you just mentioned, it's actually quite the opposite. 
because they are contracting, but they're looking to take you know money off the payroll and off the bottom line, right? So by doing that, they can come to an agency and save money. So what's unique about Alleyoop is because of our buying power, you know, instead of buying, you know, one Zoom license for, you know, three people, it's super expensive, you know, or, or, you know, buying a CRM for a couple of people, it's super expensive. With our buying power, we could come in with data, with technology, with sales enablement, with tools, um, and also with uh, a staff of SDRs and managers at a better price point than what companies could have to do themselves. So we can actually come in and say, listen, CEO, CFO, we can save you money while you're contracting, but still have an SDR team that is, you know, just as good, if not significantly better than what you were operating on previously, because here's the reality. All these companies need more meetings and what they're looking for is like, how are they going to push through this economic downturn and this turbulence? They have to have bigger pipeline. So for us, it's actually uniquely growing. Last month is our biggest month to date in the last 15 years. And so that's one part of it. The other piece of it is if you look on Indeed, there's about 350,000 job openings for SDR right now, mm-hmm. which is insane. So yeah. the demand for the role is evolved. Like we mentioned before, it, it started in sales, started in, I'm sorry, it started in SaaS and it started in technology. Now the SDR role is being adopted into so many other industries. I mean, we're in, we're in verticals I would never 10 years ago would have ever told you we would ever do. And now it's some of our biggest spaces. We're in recruiting, you know, we're in, you know, uh, franchising, we're in, you know, literally yoga studios are using some of our SDRs right now, trying to get people in to, to set up appointments. So it's like you, so many industries that you would never think uh, we would be in are now in because just we are following the position itself is growing into other spaces. Companies are realizing that fragmenting out AEs and then adding an SDR to them is a better use of time and money. Uh, so that's why we're growing. It's funny you say that. I recently had someone reach out on LinkedIn to book me a like a teeth cleaning appointment, and I was like, yeah. "What?" Normally, you know, the 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 customer journey for dentists is like you go and you Google best dentist near me or whatever, and and sure. you look through your insurance network or something. So I had never had an SDR reach out and try to book me for a teeth cleaning, and I'm like. I guess there must be enough value on the back end. Like they get me in to clean my teeth and then they sell me, I don't know, veneer yeah. or something. And that pays off the, the, the SDR. Cause in my mind, the role was always uh, around, you know, cu- the cost of acquiring a customer. How do you make that sure. as cheap as possible, but with as much upside as possible. And I think like when you talked about the early days of like the SDR role, I read uh, predictable revenue many years ago. And that yeah. was the whole premise was if you break, closers and you know pipe generators into two categories then you know you can generate more and close deals hypothetically faster right and and then have the closers focus on large deals versus more of like a transactional deal and ultimately it's going to pay for itself the whole program even though you're splitting it out into two roles so i think i still agree that there's you know some place for that but i've had a lot of folks on the show recently saying the end of the SDR world, you know, the end of the SDR role is, is nigh. What is your take on that as someone who owns a business that, that services this, this type of service for, for other companies? Yeah, it's funny. I just actually did a a blog on this, a video blog about it on my LinkedIn the other day where like AI is coming about and everyone's saying AI is going to replace salespeople and the SDR role. And the reality is like, 
you know, they said the same thing about Marketo when they came out 10 years ago, right? Marketing automation was going to completely wipe out the entire SDR function. And actually many companies completely downsized their SDR team, put all their money in marketing. Everyone's going to get an automated email cadence and everyone's just going to sign up. And then they realized that actually didn't happen. Yeah. Um, and marketing automation is not only a tool that SDRs use every single day, but the SDR function came back. And that is, a again, a tool to assist it. And I think the same thing is, is the case with AI. I use AI. We love AI. We in, in, you know, incorporate it into our messaging and into personalization of communication and, and creating relevance for SDRs. But do I think it's just going to you know, completely wipe out the role? No, I think actually it's going to make it even more important uh, when you compare it to um, AI, right? So, you know, right now I know I, I can call into a 1-800 number and I could get a recruiter but or, or, or um, a recording and a computer, but if I pay more, I'll be able to talk to real people. And so many more people are willing to make that payment a premium to discuss with more people. And will it eventually change things more dramatically in the future? Sure. I'm, I, I don't have the magic eight ball, but I do know that right now, you know, human, uh, you know, human to human, instead of B2B or B2C, like it's H to H right now. And human to human is by far what uh, people are trying to uh, go towards uh, to separate themselves from AI. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. I think there'll always be a place for it. And I think there'll, there'll be sure. a more of a demand for services like Alleyoop where some of the cost burden gets shifted to an agency versus having that all live in house and, and carry the overhead. Because yeah, you're always going to need leads and appointments and uh, pipeline, right? It's not going anywhere. And it's been especially hard this year. So one of the other questions I had for you was, how do you, do you, you may not guarantee a result for your clients, but how do you, how do you drive results? Especially if you're taking on a new client, it's kind of uncertain whether they have product market fit or whether there's, yeah. uh, you know, a, they've dialed in the ICP tight enough. How do you do kind of your due diligence as the agency before you take on a new client to make sure that you know you can deliver a certain number of meetings or ops or, or you know, certain revenue figure and pipeline? And then how do you optimize that as you go to, let's say you come in and it's a slow start with a client. How do you turn things around and test different campaign ideas? Yeah, it's a great question. Actually, a lot of companies come to us to find if they have product market fit. Oh, nice. Okay. Right. They don't, they, I mean, they're trying to get funding. They're trying to get money to invest, to grow the company, but they don't know what they don't know. You know, two, three guys come up with a really cool idea, build a new product, never brought it to market. Why would you want to spend money on a VP of sales and a CRM and a data and a team to just determine whether or not it's good or not? So what we're able to do is we're able to determine product market fit for clients, but more so than that, what are the, what are the features that people want to list here? What are the actual, you know, markets that you want to target and go into, uh, you know, what is the ICP? So a lot of clients come to us for us to determine all that because, you know, we can easily test it. We have the tools, we have different tools, um, and we have different channels that we can invest in differently than a company can do it all by themselves from scratch. So, you know, we can run a campaign and say, okay, and run, you know, phone, email, LinkedIn, personalization against it and determine whether or not, hey, this, this ICP and this product is really better on the phone. And that's the channel we should be using. And that's where we're going to double down on after 90 days, or it's more, you know, effective for email. Uh, maybe we need to put a power dialer on this and make a hundred calls a day. Maybe we need to put a parallel dialer on this and make 1500 calls a day. And we can determine 
you know, what those connection rates look like, and then work to your point with predictable revenue, work backwards from there and actually build a true quota and then turn it into a true uh, function. So that's what we do. Part of what we do is to figure all that out. Wow. Yeah. That's a good service in and of itself. Cause again, the alternative for a startup is go and try to hire someone who you didn't have to first vet out and then they need to ramp and that's going to yeah, spend all your money is what we say. You can do it, but you're going to spend all your money. So <laughs> don't spend all your money and figure out, you know, with our help. And, and what's unique about us is, you know, a lot of our clients, you know, we have an exit strategy. Most of our clients come here and they say, Hey, we want to do this one day ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we know that end of mind. And then at the end of the day, it's like, Hey, let's do this together, build it for you. And then you can run it. What's also unique about us, Jesse, is that our reps are hireable. We all know that as an SDR, you know, eventually you want to grow your career and become, you know, an account executive, senior account executive manager. Mm -hmm. So what's unique about our team is that they do leave us. We call them Alleyoop alumni. And they're some of the best, I have some insane stories, like, you know, some of the best, most world-renowned vice presidents of sales for very successful companies all started their career over here uh, when they were, you know, first making cold calls. So they're able to go out and get hired at these clients of ours uh, and then build their career into perpetuity. That is an interesting angle that I had not heard before. I've heard of a few other agencies like yeah. but never any that's willing to let go of their people and, you know, let them sail on with the client. That's really- You want to hear the story? What happened? Yeah, let's hear it. it. So this is what happened. It was about seven, eight years ago, a company came to us and we were really successful. It was a one-year agreement. We built a team from one rep to six reps they were scaling, they were growing, they were getting the funding that they want based on the tests and everything was ready for renewal. Like there was, if you, if, if you came up to me and said, Gabe, I bet you they're not going to renew. I would have put all the money in the world saying, yes, they are. We were crushing it. Yeah. And all of a sudden they didn't renew. And then the next day it was like a coup. The next day, all six reps got hired by that company. No and it was the, like, it was the biggest punch in the mouth. Right. And we were upset, we were pissed, we were, we were frustrated, and we're like, we did not see this coming. And long story short, we realized this is what's supposed to happen. Like, this is a good thing. Like, we don't want this. This is what are, we want these clients to be successful and grow and build. We don't want to, you know, try to keep a leash on this. So yeah. we turned it into a positive and said, hey, listen, you know, if you can work with our team and they eventually could come grow with you and build their careers at your company, you know, pay us a staffing fee for it. I mean, that's where our recruiter hats started to turn back on, right? So they pay us a staffing fee. They're then able to then bring those reps into, into their team. And here's what's unique. All yeah. those reps became AEs and they still needed SDRs. So, and so at this point, it's again, it's still, they still engage with us as a client just in a different way. Now they're able to get SDRs uh, backfilling those roles. So we have really long-term relationships now with clients because of that one little shift yeah. It really was a positive for us, even though it started off as a as a big negative. That's brilliant. And and you've created like an ecosystem, right? Where there's yeah, yeah there's staffing involved, there's there's messaging, there's trialing and and helping them find their product market fit. That's really cool. I have not actually heard that before. And uh yeah, great story. I mean, I can feel the pain of that story, but I, I love that you guys turned it into a positive thing and ultimately a, a way to to expand the business as opposed to like you said, try to keep a leash on it or keep it tight. Um, yeah, well, I mean, what's unique is the SDR role, 45% of SDRs are not at the same company they started with in, in 12 months. Yeah. So their turnover retention rate typically is very, very high. 
Now with us, because this is all that we do and we have a culture around it and we have a really good career path internally, um, our reps actually stay with us for about three years. So significantly higher, but at the end of the day, um, you know, three years is still a short window of time. So most reps are leaving for, because they want to make more money, right? They want to get promoted to AE or a different role, or they're just really bad <laughs> and they just get out of sales entirely. And so if you are experiencing that, you know, you could come to us and, and really hedge your bet and not have to have those hiring gaps. Do you see what I mean? Because once someone leaves, then you have all this time, energy, and money is lost to find someone else, backfill them, train them, as you said, ramp them up. So we have SDRs on demand, AEs on demand, and there's always ready to jump in. Yeah. Walk us through, I think this will be really interesting to my audience, which is it tends to be individual contributors, whether that's an SDR okay. or an AE uh, or something in between, because there's now you know so many supporting roles in the game, whether that's a sales engineer. Uh, and in a lot of companies, a sales engineer is kind of the, 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 the head of the show. Um, 100%. Who, when, when, you're, when you take on a brand new client, what does their pod look like? Is it uh, you know a few different SDRs and someone who can kind of run analytics and look at what's working on the back end of the systems you're using? I imagine there's some kind of a tool manager who's going to deploy their their uh, enablement systems and those kind of things. Yeah. It sounds like you have AEs as well, so someone's going to yep. be responsible for closing on behalf. Talk to us about who who what the project team looks like for each client. Sure. So we have a we call them essentially a, a client uh, program manager, but it's a CSM and they're the point of contact for the client who is essentially orchestrating all of these moving parts and people to make sure that the team is built accurately. Um, number two is, is our sales enablement manager who's on the project. And arguably, I think, as you mentioned, they're the most important people because if the tool and the data is, uh, if the data and the tools are not working or up and running effectively, we have no one to call and nothing to do, right? So our sales enablement manager uh, works uh, to make all of the tools, technology, CRM, data, all up and running and working within the ICP that's relevant to that specific client. And then we also have a marketing and content team that builds the playbook and the messaging. So they're actually building the scripts, building the objection handling guides. They're building the messaging, the email cadences and tools and working with those sales enablement team to make sure that that messaging is, is baked into all those channels that we're going to be utilizing. And then we have a um, what we call a team captain. So they're essentially a player coach, SDR, or AE, and they are the team captain of the team. And then we build the team around them, around mm -hmm. how many SDRs and AEs we're going to need based on what our actual metrics and goals and KPIs look like. So that is the, the operating team, if you will, to bring that, program to market. Got it. When that, let's say there's a, a scenario when that team comes together and they're working on behalf of a new client and mm -hmm. hit the ground running, but crickets, right? Or maybe they get a bunch of pipeline and then it doesn't convert. What are some of the plays you run and, or what are some of the plays the group runs to try to troubleshoot why they're not either able to deliver pipeline or, you know, converted deals? Yeah, I think the big thing when we get meetings on the calendar, we have to realize like, is it the right person? Like, so does, do they fall within the ICP? We call it the magic 10, the first 10. So when these first 10 appointments, and it's not just a demo, it's actually how the demo occurs. We want to really inspect under a microscope, the first 10 meetings and demos to determine, is it the right person? 
Is the demo accurate? Like, are we giving the right information? Are we asking the right questions? And really just like you would watch a movie five or six times, that's what we're doing on the first 10 meetings. So then we can learn from that and then say, okay, we're not talking to the right people. We're not talking to the right companies. We're talking to small companies. We need to talk to big companies, right? So we determine who is it that we're talking to is the number one thing before we start figuring out what we're saying. And then if that's, if the, if the who is wrong, uh, it doesn't matter what we say. So we determine if the who is right. And then once we have that knocked out, then we start tweaking messaging to make sure it's re relevant and resonating to those audience members. Yeah. What about data? So one of the, the biggest nightmares that I have with like just being in a prospecting seat is especially like, like you come into a new company, let's say, and yeah. you know, in your team's case, it might be, they take on a new client. It's like, great. Now we have an idea who we're going after, but we open up their CRM and it's just full of junk. There's tens of thousands of emails in there, whatever, however, you know, whatever piece of data. Um, how does your team stay organized and build the right list and filter through what's junk and old stale data? Is there a specific tool you use or process that you have? I'm always curious because this is one of my biggest headaches about prospecting. A hundred percent. So you're saying that your, your uh, database isn't clean and pristine and beautiful. <laughs> I've been at, you know, tons of companies in my career and I've yet to see one I've, and I've consulted companies. Exactly. It, I think it's the, the only, only uh, continual theme is that everyone, every database looks like a nightmare. Right. Uh, and it's funny because, you know, they, I mean, phone books got it right. And that was decades ago. Like why, why with technology is it worse than it was when we just had an alphabet. Right. Uh, listed down on a sheet of paper, but no, that that's where actually where we start. Data is everything, and we have an insane amount of partnerships with data companies. You know, we were actually Zoom Info and Discover Orgs SDR agency for ten years. Oh wow! Um, before they went public, okay. and uh, as, remember, I was telling you, their VP of Sales Development actually his, his first sales job was here as an SDR. So um, it's it's just a unique scenario there. Um, but in addition to you know, the data providers that you have to work with to make sure you are working with the best. Cause there are different data providers that are good at different data segments, right? So some providers are better internationally. Some providers are better with IT. Some providers are better with, you know, SMB, depending on what you're looking at, who your audience is actually is how you should pick your data provider, not that, that not the other way around. And so when you figure that out and know who the best data provider is for your specific ICP, then you want to pull the data. My recommendation to your question is just to literally start from scratch. Mm. Like I, like completely like throw everything away and just build it from scratch so it is correct and clean. And then you can, and you can prospect against all channels correctly. See, that's what's super important is right now, interestingly enough, even in 2023, the phone is still by far the number one channel for converting meetings. But that doesn't mean it's the only one. Uh, email, LinkedIn, voice notes, everything, you know, we do all of it, but you have to do all of it first to determine which one is the best against the right data. And then that will allow you to determine what to you again, double down on. But uh, to start, you know, off with a fresh, clean, you know, database is always a good thing just to, you know, purge that out and start again. I want to recap that for the listeners, just because I think, again, it's a huge frustration for myself as well. And probably for most people listening out there is the advice. And I think it's really sound advice is simplify. If you can start over from scratch, do that. And then I like what you said about correct set of data plus 
experiment at first with the channel because it could be yep. phone, email, in-mail, voicemail, whatever that is. Yep. That overlaid on top of the right list of data is going to get you the meetings you need to get and the pipeline you need. Yep. Yeah, I think that's really, so just, I wanted to call that out because I think that's really, it, it's simple and and that's that's it. That's the secret that I think a lot of people burn a lot of calories spend a lot of tires trying to figure out, you know, where am I going wrong? Why aren't people responding to my emails? Why aren't they, you know, maybe they respond, but they don't actually book the meeting. What's going on? I think a lot of times that's the channels off or the data's off one of the two. And if you can try to get both of those in line, you're going to be a lot more successful. And I think you're dead on with like, it's sometimes easier just to start over than to try to tame an existing beast. It's just a lot. And it can feel really overwhelming when you start a new role and you open up your CRM and there's just thousands of leads assigned, yeah. thousands of email addresses in your name and you don't know where to start. Here's the deal. Like if you're an individual contributor, I always tell all of our AEs and SDRs, hey, listen, the squeaky wheel gets the oil, right? Like we have a sales enablement team, but they don't know what they don't know. And if somebody's not picking up the phone, if an email is bouncing, if you're not able to connect with somebody, you're getting a lot of out of offices, just you have to make sure because your your sales enablement team should have access to the data providers you're working with for enrichment. And if they don't have enrichment turned on on a daily basis, that's a big miss. And that's another reason why databases get so unorganized and inaccurate is because they just don't even have enrichment available. Enrichment is, oh, by the way, a way for autom data providers to automatically enrich the data in your CRM. If that's not something you guys are participating in at your company, I'd highly recommend it. But every single night at three in the morning, I get the enrichment email and it shows all of the contacts that have been updated from our data providers into our Salesforce. And I can tell you, there's never been a day where it was zero. So there, so having the most accurate data and most relevant data, these data providers are competing aggressively to have the best data for you. And if you're not, you know, utilizing the most recent upload, uh, it's super important that you do that because you're just spinning wheels at that point. That's really interesting. Yeah, I, I would say, I know, like thinking back on my own career, you, I can count on one hand the number of teams I've been on that use some kind of a data enrichment. And I think that's a huge missed opportunity uh, is to not have something like that in place. That's So it sounds like whatever you're using and if you are okay to share it, please share. It runs like a daily cleanse on, yeah. on the junk in the CRM. Yeah, Sales Intel is the company that we're currently using right now for that. Uh, Zoom Info, of course, uh, has been a partner for ours with some time and and they do it as well. Uh, but between those two, um, you know, we also have Apollo who also does it data enrichment. So I think those are the big three. Uh, I know they are. I know there's a couple others out there that we've utilized. I don't want to, you know, misspeak or say anything rudely about any of them. I'm sure they're all great. But those are the three right now that we are currently using in-house that have created um, some amazing programs. Uh, and that are very, very successful. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, Gabe, get, tell us, you know, just let's, let's imagine we're in the seat of a seller in the end of yeah. 2023, looking ahead, hoping to have a better, maybe have a better year next year than they had this year. Uh, I'm sure someone listening out there has had a great year. Um, but I, I'd say the vast majority, it's been kind of an interesting year in the business. What advice would you give to a seller who's staring down the barrel of next year, who really wants to have a record W-2, wants to get promoted, wants to move on to that dream role, uh, given all your experience and the work you've done uh, in, you know, basically putting a putting some of the best and brightest in our industry on the path that they've been on, what are some uh, pieces of advice you'd share? 
Yeah, I'd say right out of the gates, uh, unprepared is I would do this in four different ways. And this is no particular order. Firstly, is your mindset. Like, don't just buy into this, you know, space that everything is going bad. There's a lot of companies that are doing great. There's a lot of companies that are hiring. There's a lot of companies that are expanding rapidly. And, and, and if you're not attached to one of them, I would look for one of those. If you're uh, at a company that you feel solid about and you have a great product and, and you don't see doom and gloom, um, then you're in a great spot right now. And I would just have your mindset be aligned to that. And if it's not, you know, pick up a good book, listen to this podcast, motivate yourself in some way, shape or form, and just get your head right. Because I think that's where it all starts, right? Especially in, in the sales game. A second, I would really take a look at, you know, branding yourself in, in, in LinkedIn. You know, right now, staying out there, you know, I'm putting yourself out there with content. I'll be frank with you. I wasn't doing that. Um, I was an operator. I was a chief operating officer for this company and running the company. So I just was working my face off every single day and not really thinking about any of that. Um, I took over as CEO um, earlier this year and started, you know, hey, I'm going to be the face of this company now. And, uh, you know, I wanted to do something about it. So it created a, a marketing team around me to put content out there. And now, you know, people are coming, talking to us and wanting our business versus having to always go out and go out after it. So I would definitely get excited about creating content. I know it's super uncomfortable, but, uh, you know, I would just say get uncomfortable with being uncomfortable on that. And you'll definitely set yourself apart. I think it's definitely where most uh, customers are living right now. And then I would say that the next thing to think about is really just what does your calendar look like? And, you know, I think every salesperson lives and dies by their calendar. And what I mean by that is if your calendar is empty, that's your problem. Yeah. And if your calendar is full, it could be a problem. As long as it's with good stuff, though, it's a great, it's, it's not a problem. Yeah. So you want to make sure that your calendar is on net new business. And if you don't have SDRs attached to you, then you go be that SDR. And if you do have SDRs attached to you, then attach yourself to those SDRs okay. to help them and guide them and mentor them because they're going to be put, they're the ones that are, you know, the front of the lines. And I would highly recommend, you know, friending them up, getting to know them really well and, you know, incentivizing them. You know, I, I remember when I was in AE, I would literally, you know, throw $50 gift cards in my SDRs, uh, you know, uh, inbox my out of my own pocket. Yeah. Because I knew that they were the ones that were going to make sure that my family is going to get fed. And so that's really, really important. Amazing. No, this is really that I'm going to have to clip that last uh, soundbite because I think that's, that's super important. The, the mindset, you know, what's, what does your calendar look like? It's, it's easy to get away from that and to stop thinking about how important that is, but yeah, either way, whether your calendar is too full or not full enough, you need to assess and measure what, how you can optimize that. Um, well, Gabe, that, great advice. How can fans of the show reach out to you or get in touch with your team? Yeah, absolutely. So if you go to my LinkedIn, uh, it's it's Gabriel Lulo. Actually, if you go to GabeLulo.com, it goes right to my LinkedIn page. Oh, cool. Um, so you can connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm hyper responsive there. Um, if you go to our company website, alleyoop.io, um, is, is our, our company site. And you can also reach us there as well. Well, it was amazing to have you on, Gabe. Thanks so much. Um, any final words of wisdom for the listeners out there? Hey, man, listen, next year is going to be a big year, I think, in sales and in tech and, and where you are right now uh, is really exciting. I mean, Jess, you've been doing some amazing content. I've been watching you just 
make sure you guys are feeding yourself with as much information as possible and learning from the people who are doing it and making it happen. I think there's a lot of gurus out there uh, trying to be a guru and uh, actually hasn't sold anything in a long, long time. So make sure you're listening to people who are doing it and, and talking the talk and walking the walk. And you're one of those people. So I just want to applaud you for what you do and, and, and what you provide this audience. And I think the best course of advice is just to fill up your calendar. I appreciate that. And Gabe, thanks so much for coming on and sharing. Thanks. 